Hey man, how you doing, dude? We're back. How are you feeling? Dude, pretty good. It's our uh, one month anniversary. Uh, yes, it is our one month anniversary. Holy crap. Can you believe we've been doing this for five whole weeks already? Honestly, it is. It's kind of hard to believe, but I'm really glad that we're still doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Um, I'm glad that we set our minds to a project and we're following through. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, me too, man. Uh, feels pretty good, especially since um, we're getting good uh, good numbers, kind of, <laughs> for what it is. We got. Oh, no, yeah, got, better than expected. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this is just for fun anyway, so it's not that big of a deal, but I'm glad that. We we lasted a whole month. That's a that's a big accomplishment, honestly. Yeah, definitely. Now I can't wait for the one year anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. We're gonna keep chugging until we get there. <laughs> so what have you been up to? Uh not a whole lot. Let's see. During the weekend, Kaylin came up and we kind of just chilled. Went to Barnes and Noble. I hadn't been to a bookstore in a while. And yeah. uh looked around at the selection there's a series i've been reading by brandon sanderson it's called the mistborn series and uh i went ahead and got book two while we were there and uh she ended up getting some starbucks so we did that and then, you know <laughs> we just kind of chilled the, the rest of the couple of days that she was here uh, during the week just work i started watching a show on netflix called the queen's gambit i don't know if you've heard of it nope but it's uh it's pretty popular right now and it's basically just kind of like a period piece about like the 1960s so basically like the concept is uh there's like this young girl she's probably about seven whenever the show starts and her mom dies and she uh, you know it doesn't really talk about her father but like it's just assumed she doesn't really have one that's in the picture at least so she becomes an orphan and she goes into an orphanage and then it kind of like the show starts out uh showing you what it's like for her as an orphan and the big thing though there's two big things that she goes through to the orphanage and the first one is that uh she starts learning how to play chess you know she i guess basically she's trying to find an outlet for uh the hard life she's having in the orphanage so she needed something to focus her time on and one day while she goes down to the basement to like clean off these uh erasers chalk erasers she sees the janitor and he's down there playing chess by himself she's like okay this is interesting what is this game and at first she asks him about it he won't even talk to her but she looks at the board and she kind of, you know, analyzes the pieces and sees what he's doing. Then she ends up going back up. But uh, so then the second big thing at the orphanage comes into play. And that's, uh, I guess, I'm not sure if this is true or not. But back then, it seems as if to keep kind of the kids like calm and such, they would give them tranquilizer pills, which you can kind of assume to be some type of, uh, you know, derivative of morphine, right? Mm. So, uh at night, she ends up taking these pills to help her go to sleep, but she like saves up a couple because she realizes they do something to her, and uh, she takes like more than what she's advised to take, and then she ends up kind of hallucinating. But whenever she does, it like she looks up at the ceiling and she sees like a chessboard up there. So she teaches herself basically how to play chess while she's hallucinating these chess pieces on her ceiling. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. She like teaches herself how to play chess. She goes back down to the basement eventually and talks to the janitor and says, look, you, you never taught me, but I kind of know how this game is played. So they end up playing. And then she turns out to be a chess prodigy. So, you know, fast forward to the future. She gets adopted. I think she's like 13. She gets adopted. And she's still really, really good at chess. So she, it's the, kind of the show is just about her journey uh, playing against like a lot of guys. Because you know, back in the 60s, women still... You know, we're kind of looked down upon unjustifiably, but uh, like a lot of the chess community was dominantly male, and they kind of mm. laughed at her at first. But she ends up becoming like this chess prodigy, but, grandmaster. Yeah, she's that. I think she does at the part of the show where I'm at. I think she's basically grandmaster. She's like the U.S. champion, the best in the U.S. And it's kind of interesting. I didn't really know a whole lot about chess until I watched this, but apparently, back in you know the '60s was kind of during the Cold War era. So uh, the U.S. and Russia were at odds, but it seems like at that time, the Russians were the best in the world at chess. So her goal throughout the show is to eventually go over to Russia and beat the Russians at chess because no U.S. person had ever done that before. So, uh, but mainly the show is kind of like a period piece in the 1960s. It shows you kind of how the 60s were, but it's also kind of dealing with her addiction too, because as you can assume, since she's been 
doing these tranquilizers since she's a little kid that kind of uh, has a lasting effect as she grows into an adult. She becomes a little bit dependent upon drugs and alcohol. So it's kind of a mix of all that. It's an interesting story, but yeah, I've been watching that. <laughs> wow. It sounds really interesting. Um, I remember this morning I was listening to like one of the little news broadcast things I listened to in the morning mm-hmm. and they, they, I think they were talking about this show. It didn't like, resonate with me at the, that moment because they were talking about um some show about some chess person and mm-hmm. how some actual grandmasters were talking about how accurate the way her thought process was or something like was going on like regarding chess and i was like oh yeah i remember hearing that and i like looked up <laughs> chess grandmaster earlier today and like just like oh did you that's kind like, of funny well like what does it take to be a chess grandmaster so i think it's really coincidental you like I didn't, I've never heard the show at all. And then I remember hearing that earlier today and then you mentioned it and then now it's bringing that back, but that happened today too. So that's pretty funny. Oh yeah, that is pretty funny. But I, I mean, I could see why they would say that this, this show's depiction of chess is, it's very good. It, it seems very realistic and it shows like all the, the pros and how they think it shows her like doing her research and all the chess books she and her friends read kind mm-hmm. of how their minds work. So that's one of the things the show does really well. <laughs> it's funny because it's like, how could like i guess like you think about chess and you're like how do you how do you make that epic <laughs> yeah exactly but they, they found a way to do it and so now i because at first i was i saw the show was like in the netflix top 10 and kaylin had told me about it and said it was good i was kind of skeptical but once you start watching it you're, you're like damn they, they did a pretty good job of this um next time i go home i should steal that glass chess thing that no one uses in my house and play chess here (laughs) yeah i forgot about that honestly playing you may have been the last time i've played chess (laughs) that was what years ago three three years ago maybe i don't i don't play much chess but i think that was probably the last time i played that's that that's definitely the last time i've ever played chess (laughs) (laughs) i even thought about it until today yeah that's really weird um well i didn't really do too much this last week i've just been busy with like uh school and stuff today we had um a recording session for the wind symphony here and so we're not meeting well or we can't do live concerts right now because of the pandemic right so we are having to uh pre-record our concert because um, we're still meeting in person, we're like social distancing and having to wear masks while we play our instruments, which is kind of annoying and a hassle, but like it's necessary right now. Um, but because of that, we have to go to recording sessions, and today was one of the recording ses- sessions, and then tomorrow we have another one um, that goes pretty late. I see. Yeah, but it's pretty cool because you know people get to watch our concert wherever they're at. It'll be like live streamed. Really, it'll like it's pre-recorded, but we're gonna post it on Monday. Mm-hmm. um so that's that's the cool part about it but like the recording process is pretty tough man like oh i imagine my like the, one of the pieces we played today um it's pretty long and like i play a lot and there's barely any parts where like i'm resting where i can just take a break mm-hmm. um like i have to hold my horn up the whole time you know and like typically like that's not a big deal like whatever but like this piece is so long and there's like not a lot of breaks so i'm just holding my horn up and i'm playing like super loud or like just playing like long tones or something like i have a lot of whole notes but then i have like a lot of like really high stuff too and so like the combination of that like makes me so tired and we had to run through it twice today <laughs> yeah it was pretty rough like on my face uh, i mean we sounded fine but like my my dude i was so tired by the end of that re- whole rehearsal and luckily i got i got to, i got to leave early because i wasn't on the last piece they were recording but the other few ones like we definitely started to like break down toward the toward the end of the recording session so i think we're going to record another one of the pieces that we ended on uh tomorrow as well gotcha yeah that sounds pretty intense yeah um so i was just been worried about that and then uh i have to do a uh, uh a live teaching next tuesday and i've been working on my lesson plan for that okay so yeah so i've been pretty busy but and fun news um i told you about this earlier this week but i um because i'm a youtube premium member subscriber Mm -hmm. right you know uh i got google stadia for free i got the premiere edition for free that's pretty cool yeah it's kind of it was i'm thinking like google stadia isn't very popular and i don't think it's doing very well and i'm pretty sure they just had a lot of inventory of their controller and their chromecast 
And so they sent me, they sent me one. Well, I had to like, like uh, redeem my offer or whatever, but it's a hundred dollar value. Cause it came out at 120 bucks. Like when it initially came out, um, cause it's a controller with a Chromecast and the controller itself is like 50 bucks. And the Chromecast is like another like 30 or whatever. Mm. So, um, yeah, I've been, I've been playing games on my TV and like it works really well. So I'm not to show you that. That's pretty fun. Cool. Yeah. I, I guess that is, if, they, if it's not doing well, that's a pretty smart thing of them just to get it out there. Cause then people like you will get it. They'll talk to their friends about it and it will encourage more sales. Yeah, dude. I mean, because Stadia is like the best, the best selling point I could probably give anybody who like, who's thinking about doing like trying it or didn't know what it was is that if you wanted a next gen console or if you wanted to like spend money on something expensive like that, you wouldn't have to with Stadia because Stadia is its own gaming platform. It's not like it's not a subscription based thing where you, you pay money then you can play games. You can purchase games off the Stadia website um, like next gen games um, like Cyberpunk is coming out. Right. And you can yeah. buy Cyberpunk on Stadia. But like right now, if you go to the Chrome browser, go to Stadia like dot Google dot com, whatever and you buy cyberpunk when it comes out you own the game and you can play it on your computer with mouse and keyboard like right right then and there you don't need the stadia controller you don't need to have an external controller you can just use the mouse and keyboard to play the game and you stream it online um wherever you're at so if like you go to your friend's house you get your computer connect to the internet and you can play whatever game you want without having to download it oh i see so the big difference is streaming rather than down game because i was about to say what's the big difference between that and steam then yeah exactly it's just streaming so you can just play it literally wherever you're at and unfortunately like iphone doesn't support stadia because apple's weird about that kind of stuff yeah but, like, if, you had a, if you had an android phone or a google pixel phone or something like that you could stream those games on your phone and use like a bluetooth controller like a ps4 controller or xbox controller and play those games wherever you're at which is pretty pretty awesome and i want to show you with because with the chromecast and the controller controller that i got when it's plugged into my tv I'm using just my Wi-Fi and I'm streaming. I'm, I've been playing Borderlands 2. So it's just streaming the game to my my TV through the Chromecast. And like it feels it honestly feels like I'm just playing on like my PS4 or something. Like it doesn't feel like I'm streaming it. And like I'm it doesn't like drop resolution. It doesn't like look like it's like lagging that much. Like I don't experience too much of that at all. Mm, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Back to the, the mobile phone thing too. I think that that's cool that they have that feature where if you have an android or google pixel like you said you could potentially play because i feel like up until this point apple's pretty dominant in the phone market there's not anything super cool about like the the opposition so if something like this got big then i would be happy for them because it would give them kind of a leg up in that market that i think they're falling behind in Mm -hmm. um i think we talked about this too like uh like if anybody could truly, truly compete with Apple in terms of hardware and software, it would be Amazon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess we haven't mentioned it in the podcast, but yes, hundred yeah. um, percent. But I, I did find out recently that I, I guess I remembered it, but I forgot about it. There was a YouTube video that popped up in my recommended and it was somebody talking about uh, Amazon's fire phone. Like they had a phone they, they had. Oh. A, yeah. And I just forgot about it because like it flopped so bad. Oh, it flopped, huh? When yeah. when did it come out? Um, I don't remember, but it was a few years ago. Hmm. Like at least five five years ago. It was like it's like old. And they just like never tried again, I guess. Huh. Well, I feel like they should. I guess basically to anyone who's listening, we had a conversation about how, you know, Apple's basically dominant in the market right now as far as phones and then they're they're putting out a lot of home devices now. And if you think about it, who's their competitor for home devices? Well, obviously it's Amazon with Alexa and all the stuff that they're putting out in, in accordance to that. So if they were to really, if, there were, if anyone were to rise and challenge Apple as far as just all telecommunications, then since Amazon already has this competitive aspect with the home devices with Apple, why couldn't they take it a step further and then compete in the phone market? It's kind of the conversation Alec and I had. But I never knew that they had tried it. But the thing is, they also need to have their own software, like their own operating system on the phone. And they did. And it was like the Amazon Fire, like whatever, like, you know, what's on the Kindles, like the Fire Kindles. Yeah, yeah. Like whatever operating systems on that was on the phone. And it just like didn't do well to be a phone operating system. Like it just like looked really bad. It was really clunky to use. Like those are the reasons why like no one really wanted to pick up the phone. And it was cheap. Yeah. Um, Well, maybe maybe they 
they put it away, you said years ago, probably when it, when it failed. Mm-hmm. Maybe they've been kind of developing it in the background since then. This is just a theory, but what if they had? And then you know, a year or two in the future, they come out with something much, much better because they saw how it failed before. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking, because if they do that and they make an operating system that works well, right? Because the thing is, if they use Android, like they could, right? But I don't think they should. They, don't sh- they shouldn't use any type of Android like to be on their phone. They need to make their own operating system that works with all of the, their line of products that they have in terms of like the Alexa stuff, right? And that has uh, Amazon Prime connectivity, so you can just like, order stuff, right? That's what the other phone had. Like a, it had like ways for you to use your Prime account uh, more conveniently. Mm-hmm. And they're coming out with Amazon Luna, which is just like Google Stadia, where it has Mara showed you the controller, and yeah. they're going to have their own gaming platform. But it's going to be, I think, it's going to be subscription based. Um, not like how Stadia is like its own platform where you can buy games and you buy a license for them and can play them whenever you want. Okay. Yeah. So, but that's what I'm saying. If they have their own phone, they have their own thing going on. They have their own like different, like on their own software that they're making that connects with their hardware devices. Then I think they could compete with Apple, but then they would, they would have to make computers and stuff like Google. See, like Google has the hardware. They have Google pixel phones. They have their Chromebooks. They have like, they have all this stuff, right? But they don't, they don't have their own software integration, right? They have right. the Google and they have apps on their Android device, but they don't have their own stuff. But they could because they have like the Google Docs. They have um, the the Google Photos, like the cloud service for the photos, the Google Drive. They have like all the things that Apple has, right? And people prefer the Google stuff sometimes, right? So like mm-hmm. if if you had their own phone that was their own operating system that ran strictly Google stuff and then you had Stadia on it, like on the Pixels, like that could also be a like a hard competitor to Apple. Yeah, I never thought about that, but that's 100% true. And I'm sure we even talked about this too, that a lot of this stuff kind of hasn't happened because of the law against monopolies. These companies mm-hmm. we're speaking of are already pretty big in their own right. So if they tr- started to stiff arm the rest of the market in other ways, people could get pretty angry about it pretty fast. I don't know, man. I, you know, I'm down to switch to whatever as long as yeah. it's I mean, cool. I mean, it happens. <laughs> I was thinking about buying a Pixel phone just to have it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, 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 I've always kind of looked into the other side because I did own an Android before I got an iPhone years ago. And it was okay. But I did like, I did like how uh, there were possibilities to kind of customize the phone to the way you wanted. You could kind of download software from the internet too and influence your phone through that. Whereas the iPhone is just so locked. Uh, they don't want mm-hmm. you to really change much about the operating system or anything basically concerning the phone so that was basically the only upside i saw to the android but yeah i haven't really checked it out in a while i think that's the google pixel 5 is the newest phone right now but i was interested because i was like i was having a, i was having a good time playing with stadia on my tv and my computer mm-hmm. i played a dead by, uh dead by daylight is that what this game's called <laughs> i haven't heard of that one um it's like a it's a multiplayer game where one person is the killer and then four other people are survivors and you have to like escape the killer and the killer has to like kill everybody and earn points like you earn points by uh completing objectives um but the main goal is to you and your the other survivors to uh survive and get out of there i see so it's a little bit like among us but do you know who the killer is in this game yes the killer like the killer role is like a specific thing there's there's a character um well you can pick different killer characters like there's like the texas chainsaw massacre guy there's like uh uh the demi gorgon from <laughs> stranger things oh, and then there's, there's some like because they had like a stranger things crossover oh um, uh, yeah yeah then they have um some like uh stock scary killing people like murder murderous looking creatures or whatever just to fill the game roster out but yeah, so there's like a killer role and then there's survivor roles and the survivors have to like survive and the killer has to go and hunt down the... But the survivors um, are completely aware of who the killer is at the start of the game just because they look like the killer and that's the role. <laughs> yes, but you have to hide from them. They, you don't know where they're at at the beginning of the game and they yeah, can come yeah. stalk you or whatever, right? So that's pretty fun. I, I played it on Stadia because I, I have Stadia Pro right now and it comes with like my, my pro account or whatever. And... Uh, I had a couple of friends who invited me to play like earlier 
this week. And I said, sure, I have it on Stadia. So I ended up playing with him and I, it was pretty fun. And that was the first time I played a multiplayer game that was being streamed to my computer from a different server. Hmm. Yeah, I can't and, say I've ever done that. Yeah, it's weird, right? It feels like magic, dude. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, it's like my I was playing it on my Mac because I was using Discord. So my like, hmm. you know, my poopy Mac that can't run any game was playing a game at the highest frame rate that it possibly can on my computer and looks great. And I'm playing a multiplayer game, but it's not even running natively on my computer. Mm, yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah, it's been neat. And I was like, all right. <laughs> well, sounds like you're making the most out of this uh, free stadia. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. They gave me a coupon too, for $10 off a game and I got borderlands for 10 bucks because it was already on sale. And then I got a $10 off coupon. So then I got it for 10 bucks. Nice. And yeah. you said it went out to all the YouTube premium subscribers, right? Yeah. I wish I wish I had known. <laughs> it was I funny because it, it was like if you were a YouTube premium subscriber before November 6th. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, but they they released that like promo after November 6th. Well, right? yeah, of course. Because so you're like, oh, you know, it's too late for me. <laughs> yeah. But they would have seen if they had released it before November 6th, they would have seen a humongous spike in subscriptions and then people would have just canceled after they got their stadia exactly and it's just a controller it's all it is is a chromecast and a, and a controller mm-hmm. and uh you can use the controller to play on your computer or play on your android slash pixel phone um but if you wanted to use the chromecast to play it on your tv you have to use the stadia controller and you have to use chromecast uh to connect uh to your tv gotcha yeah um and that was that was the only reason why it was drawing me away to not play stadia because i didn't really like playing on my computer um because i really don't play a lot of stuff on my mac but being able to sit on my couch and play on the tv like i do with like my other consoles made it made it feel kind of worth it so i've been playing a lot (laughs) nice yes sir yes sir prime 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 so now moving on i have horror movies on here right and so (laughs) going back to uh kind of the dead by daylight thing so kevin and i hung out and we watched some horror movies together because i have this thing that my mom gave me and it was like five it's like a five film collection like dvd pack or whatever and it comes with like five classic horror films in it right and like the, the bargain thing you get at walmart <laughs> yeah I, I found it in my house and i got it and um I was like, I've never seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So let's watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So I put it in and we watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the first time. And have you seen that movie? I have not. Well, let me tell you. It was <laughs> pretty anticlimactic. It was like not as cool or not as scary or not as gruesome even what, of what I was hoping for. You know, like I hear Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Now, when I was a little kid, it seemed like a like one of those big horror movies that you're supposed to watch or whatever. Mm-hmm. And after watching it, I was like, like it had really bad acting. It was like pretty cheesy. Some of the stuff was like awkwardly disgusting. Um, like it wasn't even like funny, disgusting. It was just like uncomfortably disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it, um, and it just like the, he only took out the chainsaw like two times that's not right it's supposed to be the chainsaw massacre (laughs) yeah i know the first time he comes out he like axes somebody he gets an axe and like hits like hits him in the shoulder i'm like that's not a chainsaw then he gets the chainsaw out later (laughs) like like this is not what i wanted to see (laughs) i want to see a a chainsaw every time it's the chainsaw massacre come on i don't want to see a freaking axe (laughs) and then when he i I think it's uh, he's leatherface right so i think when leatherface comes out he doesn't even come out that often like i wanted more like backstory on him too like they made it it like it wasn't good enough for them to like make it seem like he was like a mystery character right mm-hmm. like it didn't seem like that they didn't they like try to do that where like oh look what he's doing oh look how creepy all this is but they didn't like put enough mystery around what he was doing and they also didn't show enough of him so it was like this awkward balance of like 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 you're you're not getting anything out of it while watching it <laughs> So from my knowledge, it's a, it's a decently old movie, right? When, when did the movie come out? Um, that's not that old. It's not that old? Yeah. 
film series, Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie release date. Really? Is that old? It didn't feel like that old. Because I, I know it was definitely like a B-movie type movie. And I mm-hmm. feel like I've kind of always known about it since I was a kid. But I just, I never really knew how old it was. Okay, this is saying October 1st, 1974. But... Oh, yeah, that, that can't be true, right? That's, it's, that, that's not the one I watched. If that's the original one, then I may have just watched the, the newer one, I guess. Because that's... Okay, this is Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003. Okay. 19, you said 1974? Yes. Okay. Okay. So this movie that I watched, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, came out in 2003. The one that I watched. Gotcha. Um, okay, so here it is. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1974. So maybe... This is the real horror movie that I w- I've been thinking about. Maybe so. Maybe that's like the classic or something. And that's yeah, this is the actual watch. classic. Because maybe I'm just watching all this, uh, this crappy. That's what I was thinking. Like, this movie's so bad. This is not what I thought about when I thought Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this makes sense. 1974. This well, it's interesting, though. You would think that if they made a remake, especially in like 2003, the trend with remakes is that they kind of try to go bigger. So you mm-hmm. would think that he would take the chainsaw more and it would be like super gory and in your face about it. Like I'm, I would, I would totally believe if he told me it was still bad, but uh, it seems more likely that if it's newer, they would go a little bit harder with like the gore and the scare aspect. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Well, there's another one that came out October 6, 2006. Interesting. They're all just called the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay, the first one is called The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 1974, right? Mm-hmm. 2003, the one the one I watched is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And then the 2006 one is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Beginning. Oh, I see. Origin story. And apparently there's a TV series too. Well, I'm just finding all this out right now, man. Like, oh my gosh. I'm just like, <laughs> I did myself this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, you gotta go back and watch the, the 1974 one. See if yeah, it's actually something worth watching. Yeah, I mean, it has to be something, right? It's like a famous title. Like people know oh, yeah. what it is, even if they don't they've never seen it. <laughs> I feel like even at, like I said, even as a kid, I I had heard of it before. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things that's always out there. Yeah, like Leatherface is he's a Leatherface is a playable character in Dead by Daylight. Okay. Um, so you can play as him, but he's like DLC. Um and there's some other horror movie horror movie uh, killers that you can play as, and then uh, Leatherface is also a character in Mortal Kombat 10. <laughs> oh, interesting. So like he's a he's a relevant ho- horror villain. I think it's funny how Mortal Kombat brings in uh, pop culture characters because don't don't they have the Terminator in Mortal Kombat as well? Or am I yeah. thinking of this wrong? No, they have they have Terminator, <laughs> which I think is pretty funny. It's awesome, dude. They just uh, got Rambo now. <laughs> <laughs> all those classics. Those are those are all pretty good movies. But I guess back to like the horror movie thing. Uh, I, don't, I don't honestly watch a lot of horror movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on Halloween, we ended up watching uh, the first Nightmare on Elm Street. I'd never seen it before. That's another one of those classics that like everybody knows who Freddy Krueger is. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've seen him before in some way even if you've just seen like a costume for him at the store or you see like a reference in a movie or something like that so i was kind of curious to watch it because i'd never seen the original and of course you know back in it got because i think it came out in the 80s or maybe like the late 70s but uh back then the effects weren't that great right so uh the the character of freddy they still made him honestly pretty scary for the effects and the budget that they had but uh, it didn't really scare me all that much. But they still did a really good job of creating like this really uneasy vibe. Because you know the concept obviously is that he comes to these kids in their dreams and kills them in their sleep. Mm-hmm. And the way that he does it, I could totally see myself if I was back. Because I've seen quite a few movies from like the 80s and 70s. And you, you kind of know what to expect with these movies. But I could see myself that if all I was used to were those typical movies and I saw this movie, I could see it being really, really terrifying. Because of the mm-hmm. way that they show the people being killed, like there was a scene where you know the first scene where Freddy kills someone, the the girl gets like 
pulled all the way to the corner of the room by like this unseen force. These gashes just show up on her dress. The blood's just like dripping down the wall and such. And her boyfriend's just looking at it like, what the heck do I even do? You know, and it really does a good job of capturing that like helpless vibe. That's what makes the movie so terrifying. And that seems like a, I've never even seen Nightmare on Elm Street either. Yeah, I would would honestly, I would recommend it because yeah, it's another one of those classics that we've all heard about. And, you know, at first I kind of, thought it was a little bit laughable but you know as i watched more of the movie it's it's unsettling and it, it's it's got that old 80s music right like the electronic synth stuff mm-hmm. so that that's part of what made it more laughable to me because we kind of make fun of that stuff now but you know aside from that and it honestly did a pretty good job of it's the music was still a little bit unnerving even though it was kind of that 80s techno stuff but it like i said the biggest thing about it was the vibe and it did a pretty good job of that so i'm not surprised why that's a classic uh, I'm going to have to go back and watch that movie, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, because I thought the one that I watched was like the OG, like this is what yeah. it was. <laughs> I'm glad that it wasn't because that was just some like remake, like actual not very good crap. <laughs> yeah, hopefully whenever you go back and watch the original, you'll see why it's so talked about because th- that was at least satisfying for me to see Nightmare on Elm mm. Street and realize, you know, it's a pretty good movie. I can see why it's big in pop culture. Uh, we also watched uh, Friday the Thirteenth. Oh yeah, with Jason, um, Jason Voorhees, mm-hmm. with the hockey mask or whatever. Another another classic villain. But we watched it on Friday the Thirteenth. Like that was oh you did. La- it was <laughs> that was last Friday, and that was Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, nice. <laughs> so I thought that was fitting, except that movie was also kind of boring. Not gonna lie. I mean, I was I wasn't really paying attention at that point, but it was just like playing mm-hmm. in the background. Yeah, horror movies can really be kind of hit or miss. Like I said, I'm I'm no expert. I don't yeah. watch a lot of them. But if if they aren't doing for you what they're intended to do, then they could definitely just be boring. You're you're mm-hmm. sitting through it like the only reason I'm watching this is for a little bit of a thrill and I'm not getting that. So why am I watching this, right? Exactly. And that's that's more of why I kind of steer away from horror movies. Well, some of them are good. Some of them are good. Some, but of, some them, of them are some of them are so bad that, that it's still kind of good. You know I mean? exactly some of them are laughable and it's like i don't know how people were scared by this but i'm entertained by it because yeah. i'm like trying to dissect the movie and like what people were thinking whenever they set this up <laughs> like i think the good horror movie is like the first alien movie that's a good horror movie yeah yeah oh yeah let's see i'm trying to think of have you ever seen disturbia no i haven't it's it's not technically horror it's more of like an intense thriller but it's based, okay, I guess we're talking thrillers. It's a whole different genre, but Alfred Hitchcock is, you know, the king of thrillers. He made a lot of good ones back in the day. And uh, one of the ones he made was called Rear Window. I guess basically just like a little summary of it. There's a guy, and I'm just going to summarize Rear Window first because Disturbia is based off of that. But there's a guy, and he breaks his leg, and he needs time to, like, heal. So he's just kind of in his apartment, in his wheelchair. He doesn't really go out much. His girlfriend comes and brings him food periodically, so he's just kind of housebound. So he gets bored. He doesn't really have anything to do. This is back in the 50s. Not a lot of technology. So he's like, what am I going to do with my time? He starts uh, window watching, just looking out of his window, and he's got a pretty lively scene at his apartment complex. You know, He just kind of looks and watches people going about their lives. Mm-hmm. he starts to see some suspicious activity by one of his neighbors uh his neighbor will like have these girls over at night or you know, at first it's just one one girl it appears as if they're dating and then you know occasionally it seems like they're fighting but then uh you know one morning he sees his neighbor like take this big bag out to the garbage and uh you know then he never he, and he saw the the lady that the guy was talking to go into his apartment the, the other night and he never sees her come out it's like okay what, what is this and another time with another different lady, he sees uh, the guy burying something in his garden. He's not sure what it is. And you know, again, it's another circumstance where the woman just has disappeared. So he's like, there's got to be something going on with this guy. And uh, the people in his life, like his girlfriend and, and one of his friends are like, yeah, you're just seeing things. You're bored. You're getting home. You know, you're getting stir crazy. You're, you're, you're just seeing things. Look, brush all this stuff off. But he's totally convinced that his neighbor is a murderer. So the whole movie is about, you know, is, is, is he insane or is he right? And if he's right, what is he going to do about it? And it kind of goes into all of that. So it's a pretty cool movie. But uh, Disturbia is based on that. It's with Shia LaBeouf. It was made in like 2008. 
And the cool thing about Rear Window back in the 50s, it had no music at all, uh, which you would think is bad for a movie, but it kind of it set an interesting tone for the whole thing because it wasn't reliant on like the music to swing the mood and create like a climax of suspense. It was just reliant on purely the situation to make you feel kind of unease. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Disturbia was different. It definitely had like a lot of those uh, blockbuster movie moments, but it actually did it pretty well. It, it wasn't greatly received by critics, but I think it was a pretty good thriller. So that's like, I guess, kind of a horror thriller movie that I think highly of. But another one, like you said, is Alien. I, I love Alien and Aliens too. Uh, mm-hmm. The one, the second movie, Aliens. It's not necessarily, I consider that one more of like an action flick, but both yes. of them were done extremely well. And I agree with you completely. I'm gonna have to check out check out this movie. I'm looking it up right now. Um, I, I feel like Kevin mentioned this movie with with me last week. Also, Which one? Disturbia. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember he he I you said it. I looked it up. I saw Shia LaBeouf, and I was like, I think Kevin talked about this movie with me. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that one's <laughs> underrated because yeah. a lot of critics said it was like ah whatever, but it was one of the first thrillers I watched as a kid. It was really good in my opinion. The the very end of the movie, you you always see these these movies where you can't, you're kind of waiting for like something to happen and then you know there's a big action sequence at the end, right? And this one kind of does something like that and it's really, really well done. It keeps you at the edge of your seat mm-hmm. for like a full 20 minutes. So that's one of the things I love about that movie. I've, I've seen it a few times and it still doesn't fail to just keep me glued in for that last uh, little act of the movie. So it's pretty good. Wow. And uh, I, can't, I can't, wait to, can't wait to watch it. It says watch yeah, now on Hulu. <laughs> oh, it's on Hulu? So it says premium subscription. That's what you need to watch it. Well, dang. Yeah, I, I need to go watch it again. Well, yeah, listen to Disturbia by Rihanna. <laughs> That's funny. All right, my friend. What is this Tesla tequila you've been mentioning? <laughs> <laughs> so I was, every, every morning I kind of check my stocks. Because I, I have a few a few dollars invested in the stock market, and the the big talk at the stock market that has been the talk of the stock market for months has been Tesla. Because ever since this year, Tesla it, its price has gone up enormously, and it recently got added to the S and P 500, which is the 500 biggest, most influential stocks in the U.S. and potentially the world. I think it's just the U.S. the S and P 500, but Tesla recently mm-hmm. got added, so it's a big deal. But uh, I can't remember where I found this. I guess I was just scrolling through Tesla news, but I came across this article talking about how Tesla tequila is completely sold out. And I was like, wait, I didn't know Tesla had a tequila. So, and it showed this, this cool image. It's basically like a lightning bolt with like the Tesla insignia in the center. And it says like agave tequila, blah, 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 blah. And it's got like a really cool stand with it. So it's a very pleasingly, aesthetic, like a, a pleasingly aesthetic bottle. And the cost was like 250 bucks. So it's not cheap, but it sold out within, you know, a day or maybe even less once it hit the market. I just thought it was funny that Tesla even had a tequila because <laughs> whenever you think of Tesla, obviously you just think of the cars. But uh, I think it was like a week ago, Musk actually came out with a tequila and he had joked about it back in 2018 because I think that there was some talks about Tesla bankruptcy and then he posted some, uh, troll thing on twitter saying that they found him like passed out with tesla tequila bottles all over his tesla and he posted like a picture of him like passed out on his tesla so it was kind of funny <laughs> so funny <laughs> but uh that was people were like hey we should actually like you should make a tesla tequila that would be cool and then he kind of flirted with the idea he made like a label for it was called like tesla tequila is what he was calling it and he made like a label for it and then put it on a bottle of tequila and said this is concept art for tesla tequila this is what it would look like, like <laughs> yeah you should do it and he tried to do one in the past and call it Tesla Kila, but apparently it was too similar to a tequila brand that was already out there. So he had to can that. But I guess he went ahead and, and pulled the trigger and actually got a tequila brand out last last week or two weeks ago. And people two weeks it. ago. <laughs> yeah. And it's sold it's out. sold out, man. You can't get a single bottle. And they said that even the empty bottles are retailing on sites like eBay for anywhere from two fifty like this the stock price to five thousand dollars just for the empty oh, bottle <laughs> they're gonna restock and, right yeah i know that he he said that he he's going to try his best to restock it because i mean obviously it's lucrative too i don't think he expected 
maybe he did. I don't know, but I don't know if he expected that it would just instantly sell out. And it's not cheap either. So he's he's already rich. He's a billionaire. He doesn't need money. But it, it's proven it's, that it's this fun. is also yeah, this is also like a, a lucrative thing. But it's just interesting. <laughs> yeah, I looked it up right now, and I'm looking at the bottle, and this is a very magnificent looking bottle. <laughs> oh yeah, it is very prime. Like if I would love to have people over and have like you know. Sometimes people show off empty bottles of. You don't even need to drink it, dude. You just like, just, yeah, you just show just, it off. Yeah, like don't even like no one's drinking this ever. It's just gonna stay in the bottle. <laughs> It'll just look cool forever. It's two hundred and fifty bucks, you know. This, you have to pop this out for special, special occasions. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. And then you they would make that special occasion have even more gravity because you know you have your friends over and be like, you know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and bring out the Tesla tequila just for you. This is a special occasion. They would feel so honored. <laughs> but even to have it in your liquor cabinet is just kind of like a whole, like a, you're flaunting it, right? And that, yeah. I understand why people wanted it. And then they can tell their friends, hey, look, I have Tesla tequila. And of course, it sparks an interesting conversation. Like, I didn't even know Tesla had tequila. And they, they exactly. think the bottle's cool and all that. So I'm not surprised it sold out. I just thought it was really funny. <laughs> and the bottle looks super cool. Yeah, it looks really, really cool introducing tesla tequila an exclusive premium 100 percent de agave tequila añejo <laughs> aged in french oak barrels featuring a dry fruit and light vanilla nose with a balanced cinnamon pepper finish my god it sounds prime <laughs> maybe i should get some <laughs> cinnamon pepper interesting yeah the funniest thing to me though is the thing about the empty bottle selling for almost five grand and you know, I, I believe it. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna look it up right now on eBay. Yeah, let's see. Let's see what you can find. Just look it up. Yeah, empty bottle. Uh, let's see. I didn't get anything here. It could even be that at this point, even some of the empty bottles are sold out. It is okay. So this one ended. This was a um, Tesla tequila premium bottle stand. Only empty, rare. Collectors sold out pre-sale. This this thing sold for four thousand two hundred and six dollars. All right, so my article wasn't false. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's crazy, man. That is so crazy. And uh, what the article was saying is, it basically proves that if you're people rich and dumb. famous, you can. You know, well, yeah. First of all, <laughs> pe- people are they'll buy whatever, but it, it's also saying if you're rich and famous, you can basically sell anything. If your brand is powerful, it doesn't really yeah. matter what you do. If it's cool, people will buy it. <laughs> it has to be cool, and this is cool. It's it's really cool. This is this is something done right. Like mm-hmm. you know, and it also it's ironic too because a car company is selling alcohol. <laughs> And it was a little bit negatively received by some people because they're like, yeah, this is kind of sending the wrong message. Like, you know, oh, yeah, you don't drink and drive. Associate, yeah, exactly. You <laughs> yeah. don't want to associate drinking exactly. and driving. But also it's 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 relevant because Tesla's trying to push self-driving cars. So he's Musk is almost kind of hinting at in the future, potentially, maybe this won't be so taboo because you won't even be driving your car. I mean, yeah, we, we yeah. talked about this earlier in the podcast about the, you know. Like w- once everything goes into like self-driving mode and like driving manually is like going to be phased out completely because the exactly. only way it's it'll self-driving cars would work is if everybody on the road was in a self-driving car. Right. Otherwise right. there'd be too many variables and it just wouldn't work. Exactly. It has to be like mathematically correct all the time for it to like, you know, there's no traffic, there's no anything like you're just sitting in your car waiting to get to where you're getting to. Mm-hmm. And then it'd be like being that. on a train. They will. And in, in that future, on trains already, they serve alcohol. On planes, they serve alcohol. If, you're, if you have a, a computer driving your car, who's to say, if it, if it was really perfected and you could trust it, who's to say you couldn't have a drink or two while mm-hmm. you were being driven somewhere? And I think Musk is kind of hinting at that with this. I don't know if he's hinting at that or not. You know, it, was, it was a joke to begin <laughs> with, right? Maybe I'm reading too much into it, yeah. but <laughs> I, I just had seen that people had negatively received it, but my own thoughts were like, you know, it's with with the goals of him and the other self-driving uh, car industry out there you know this is not something that would always necessarily be taboo yeah but like i, I kind of see the people saying it's like it's sending out the wrong message because it's alcohol yeah. for a driving comp- but like uh, the like the tesla brand is like 
I, don't know, I think about it as being like you know high quality you know it's very exactly. like, lux- like luxury right and when i see like like tequila even though it's alcohol like seeing the way that it's made and like how it is that just that also screams luxury to me like here's a luxury yeah, yeah. product and i think the luxury part is what what hits me first like when i saw this i didn't even think about oh yeah tesla's a car company that's not that was even my first thought like when i saw that my first thought was like look at this luxury product that tesla's also making that got sold out that's pretty cool exactly that's, that's what that i was, thought that was my same reaction too it's like something esteemed like gucci or such mm-hmm. and uh, i think that people you know maybe i was reading too much into maybe his message he's trying to send but i think people are also just kind of taking a little bit too off to that side or reading too much into it mm-hmm. themselves like they're just trying to look for something to criticize when you know obviously it was just a joke and it's a quality consumer item because it's a quality company so mm-hmm. yeah that's how i thought about it too I mean, he's the kind of guy, or he seems like the kind of guy who's like super laid back, doesn't really care. He's like, yeah, it's pretty exactly. funny, like whatever. I, I mean, he posted that meme on Twitter of yeah. him like passed out with you know these fake Tesla tequila bottles back in 2018. So he's definitely mm-hmm. that kind of guy that's just like, you know what, this seems kind of funny. Let's do it. <laughs> I feel like doing it, so I'm going to do it. <laughs> why not? He's a billionaire. He's going to send people to the to the moon and to Mars. Yeah, and I'm going to make tequila. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, it's all you need. <laughs> and now we need we we need to uh Tesla wine now. Uh I think that's the next step. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just thought it was all pretty funny. It's funny. But yeah, if y'all get a chance, look up Tesla tequila if you haven't already while you're listening to this and take a look at that bottle. It is it is a very prime aesthetic, let me tell yeah. you. Very fancy looking. Wow. I didn't even know that was a thing. That happened like literally a couple weeks ago. Yeah, November 6th. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know it was a thing either. I just happened upon it this morning while I was reading about Tesla. <laughs> that is hilarious. Our last last topic here. Zach, you wanna you wanna explain this to the audience and me? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so as I always do, I'll give a little backstory to this. So what what we have in our notes is five hindrances to self-mastery. That's the topic. And uh I had like a, a few free hours during work this this week. And I was like, you know what, I'm not just gonna sit around and play on my phone or just not do anything i want to i want to at least learn something right so i looked up ted talks there there are a few good ones out there and i happened upon this one it seemed interesting and it was a talk done by a shaolin kung fu master i was like i've never really heard from a shaolin kung fu master before (laughs) i wonder what he has to say and that his title to his video was what we have in our notes is the five hindrances to self-mastery and i was like okay you know I'll, i'll check this out let's see what he has to say and so I got into it, and it was actually a pretty informative video. So what I just want to talk about, I, I guess, was just like a basic summary of the ideas he was trying to put across, and then like a summary of the five hindrances themselves. So let's see. Just to set it up, he, he told this story first about his old master. Uh, and I guess it wasn't about his old master. His old master told him this story, but he went ahead and told it to the audience. And uh, it was about this man who he wanted to go and climb to the the peak of this very tall mountain. And of course, this is an allegory. But, uh, you know, in the story of this man, he's climbing the mountain. And he passes by a traveler who was coming down the mountain. He's like, oh, you're coming down. Did you you reach the peak? And how was your journey? The guy's like, yeah, I got to the peak. But, you know, I took this way. It was very rough. It was a hard climb. It was steep. It was exhausting. I got to the peak and it was nice, but man, I'm so tired. I'm exhausted. And then uh, he just kept going down the mountain. And so the traveler is trying to reach the peak. Is like, okay, I still want to go to that peak, but it sounds like I shouldn't go the way that he talked about. And so now he's more curious, you know, what should I do? How should I go about this? And he sees another traveler and then he's like, okay, you must have reached the peak. Uh, how did you go about doing that? And then this traveler gives him kind of his experience. And he keeps doing this, and he, he, at the end, has talked to like 30 travelers. They all give a different story, and they give a different reaction to seeing the peak and how they felt. And so at the very end of talking to the 30th traveler, he stops climbing the mountain. And he says, okay, I've heard enough experiences. I've heard enough reactions. I've heard enough feelings from these people. I feel like my curiosity is satisfied. I don't need to climb this mountain anymore. And he goes ahead and heads down himself. And uh, the kung fu master he concludes the story saying you know it's really a shame that he didn't climb the mountain himself 
and reach the peak. And then he kind of goes into the five hindrances after that. So he's like, obviously, this story is kind of an allegory for reaching your goals. He said, and it's important in life that no matter what you hear or what you're influenced by, you always try to reach a goal and you reach the goal. You can't let others tell you what to do or how to do something. You need to find your own path, basically, and you need to experience it for yourself. That's a very important thing through life that you need to do. And mm-hmm. so he went ahead and talked about there are five hindrances that he learned through his, his training that will stop you from reaching that goal. And so I guess I'll go ahead into the hindrances. The first one he described was called sensual desire. So I wrote down some notes for it. Basically, this is any desire that stems from the five senses, being taste, smell, hearing, touch, feeling, right? And he says, these things become a hindrance when they block you from your goals. So he said, he gave an example. Let's say the traveler is climbing up the mountain and he like smells this delicious food and he looks and he sees this beautiful restaurant with like a waterfall behind it. He hears people talking. He hears like music. He's like, you know what? I think I'll go stop at this restaurant. I think I'll go experience this. He gets in and it's just, you know, all the sensory stuff inside is just so overwhelming. He's like, I really love it here. I'm going to stay here for a little bit longer. And then he ends up staying there, you know, a day, you know, two days. And then after that, he just ends up, you know, that's, that's where he's at. He doesn't even think about climbing to the peak anymore. And that's kind of when stuff like sensual desire will block you from your goal. Mm. And so he goes into the second one the second hindrance, and it's ill will. So my summary for that is discontinuing something because you don't like it or the things involved with it. So back to the allegory, he said, so this is kind of like, you know, you're climbing the mountain and the path is bumpy and you don't like a bumpy, a bumpy path. Or it starts to rain and you don't like the rain. You know, stuff like that. And because you don't like something or because it's difficult, you decide to quit. You know, you're like, it's raining. I'm going to go back inside. I'm going to go back to my car. I'm going to drive away. This is not something I want to do. And you, you don't mm-hmm. climb to the peak. So that's the second entrance. And then the third one uh, is dullness or heaviness. So by dullness, he means, you know, dullness of the mind. And by heaviness, he means sloth or laziness. And those are pretty self-explanatory. But, you know, if you don't have a sharp mind, if you're not focused on your task, or if you're unmotivated, you're lazy, you're sleepy, you're less likely to accomplish your goal or stick to it. And so the fourth one that he described is restlessness. And my summary for that is an unsettled mind, not in the present or worrying too much about the future. And again, that's a bit self-explanatory. A restless mind is what it is. It's restless. You're kind of thinking all in different directions. Your goal is not something that's at the forefront of your mind because so many other things are populating your mind. Mm-hmm. especially worry about the future is what he talked about because a lot of things in life you can't necessarily control and you don't know what your future is going to hold so sometimes if there's a goal you need to achieve it's better to focus on achieving that goal rather than worrying about the outcome or what the future may bring and so the final one that he talked about which blocks a lot of people is skeptical doubt and i have my summary as indecisive or getting lost in thoughts can i do this is this right what will others think or say? This is what blocks a lot of people because especially, you know, like our generation, a lot of us are told, you got to do this, you got to do that. You got to go to college, you got to get good grades, you know, yada, yada, yada. And it feels like we almost have like our lives planned out. Mm -hmm. And if we ever try to deviate from what we're told, we start to get skeptical. Like, is this really the right way? Like, what are, what are people going to think if I do this? If I'm taking this risk, is it, is it okay? Like, is this something I should do? They think about it a little bit too much. And because of all this skepticism, they end up not doing it. And so he, those are basically this, a summary, a very quick summary of the five hindrances. And he says that there, it's very hard to get past all of these and always reach your goals. Mm. All of them could have an equal weight in how they block you from from reaching your goal, or it could be one or the other, that's kind of juxtaposed. So he said that the best way, and this was the way that his master taught him to get past it, is if it's going to rain, just let it rain. That was his metaphor for it. He says that if there's going to be a problem, you know, one of the five hindrances, first of all, you got to recognize, it. you know, what exactly is stopping me from achieving my goal? And 
after you recognize it, you've just got to say, you know what, I accept this. This is something that's in my way. This is something I'm thinking about, and it's real to me. And then the third step to this is to investigate it. Like, what, why did this come about? Why am I feeling this way? You know, kind of do some introspective thinking to, to find the root of it. And then the fourth and final way to get past it is to non-identify. Realize that sometimes external factors or something that doesn't matter to you or something irrelevant in your life, you know, or just maybe something minor, right, is, is causing this. And you shouldn't identify with it if it's not something that matters a whole lot to you or you know, should matter a whole lot to you. Your goal, he says, should always be the thing that is forefront in your mind. And once you identify that the goal is more important than what's blocking it, you can non-identify and reach your goal. And so that's basically the whole summary. This was like a 18-minute TED talk, but I thought it was interesting to share because you know, in life we all have our goals and there are different ways that we get blocked from from doing these things. So I think that those five hindrances pretty pretty well sum up all the different ways that you could get blocked from achieving your goal. And a lot of it, I think, is somewhat common sense, but it's also nice to hear these little methods of how to deal with these blockages, right? So mm -hmm. I thought it was just interesting and I wanted to share. Yeah, man, that's a, that's a lot for, for an 18 minutes. Like, the guy probably shared so much, like, information. Oh, he did. Like, and he was very composed. Like, you know, he, he was a, a Shaolin Kung Fu master. So it was very impressive. And there was kind of like a, this soothing, calm music he had on, on stage while he was, he was explaining. <laughs> and people were, were talking about it in the comments. Like, apparently when you're a Shaolin Kung Fu master, just this, this soothing, calm music follows you everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go check it out and uh, just, you know, hear it firsthand. But, you know, seeing what you have here right now you know i noticed that you know the the last the last four are like really like have a negative connotation to them like ill will right. dullness heaviness like sloth restlessness skeptical doubt and like i feel like those are the things that people notice right people like feel it mm -hmm. and i think most of the time i know at least from with me like it's hard to take action to to know that okay here's an issue and i know i'm having an issue but like what are the steps after that for me to get over this this road roadblock that i'm that i'm feeling right now about any of the goals that i might have right right yeah i agree but, with that um but the first one sensual desire i feel like that one it could be it, it could be something that people are blind to you know like yeah you you may you may get stuck into something and like you said the guy he forgot totally forgot about his goal but he was satisfied enough where he was at that he just went back down the hill right he didn't finish mm -hmm. what what he started and i think that's something that people can kind of get into where um you, you ju you're just satisfied to an extent of where you're at and you just decide to give up right mm -hmm. yeah that um, could potentially be one of the more dangerous ones like you said because it could sneak up on you mm -hmm. and it's not always bad if you find something that, like you said, the guy was, guy was happy and he, he just forgot about his goal. It, it still stopped him from achieving his goal, though. That was kind of the point. But at the same time, he was happy. He was fine with what decision he made. But that, that makes it all the more dangerous, dangerous of a hindrance if that goal was something that's very important for you to achieve. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, um, whenever, whenever I look at the, the steps to get past it, I think, like you said, we can all kind of recognize, at least the, the bottom four, we can all recognize when these things happen. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a little bit harder to accept that they're happening sometimes, but you know, that's also not that difficult. I think that sometimes we just lack the effort or the willingness to investigate and then try to get past them sometimes whenever these things really get in our way. Yeah, I, and like, you know, here being right now, being a college student, you know, like a lot of these resonate with me, right? Like, ill will like when you know like maybe some of your colleagues or even you like you sit there and you you start complaining about something like there's something you like it just feels so inconvenient you don't want to do it right like a teacher right. gives you some work and you're like oh this is just another load you know and you you just start to crash and you don't want to do it and you kind of give up and then you go into the you go into like the next step 
you know, be lazy about it. You know, you're starting to get tired. You don't want to, you, you have lack of motivation to even try to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you can go to restlessness, you know, like worrying about, you know, when it's due that you have to do it, but you know, you're procrastinating, but it's giving you anxiety because you should be doing it, but you're not doing it. Yep. And then while you're doing it, you get freaking, you start to freak, you start freaking out because you're thinking like, okay, well, I don't feel like my work is good enough. Like, what is my teacher going to say that I waited last minute and now my, my, my progress isn't very good, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, dude, I mean, you pretty much nailed it. And I've, yeah. I've definitely been through all that too. Even something as simple as studying for a test, I feel like I can go through at least the bottom four of these steps from ill will to skeptical yeah. doubt. <laughs> no, but even even sensual desire, because then it's you decide true. to do you decide to do something else. You decide to look on your phone. You decide to play a game. You decide to watch a movie. You de- you decide to do something that's totally blocking you from uh, doing your the work or the goal. Exactly, that you, that and you, you, that you have you could to be do totally that. happy doing that thing. Like you're you're on your phone, like oh this is funny. I'm on whatever TikTok, Instagram, or you can mm-hmm. go play a video game. You're like this is what's making me happy. But yeah, you're right. It's stopping you from achieving that goal that you really have to do. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I think that, especially for a college student, all these things are very relevant because well, honestly, I mean, even like I work said, life and your family and yeah, like adults too. Like, I mean, for, we're for not there yet, I, right? But <laughs> not there yet completely. But uh, go on. But I was just, I was just saying because, like you were saying. You, you can represent it so well whenever it comes to like an assignment, right? Or, mm-hmm. or studying for a test is kind of my example. But it's easy to go through even all five of these within five minutes. <laughs> you know, yeah. whenever, you're, whenever you're in college trying to study for a test, I mean, I'm, I'm in the working world now and I, I would say that if I'm ever blocked by something, I don't necessarily, it's not usually these five things at once. It's maybe one or two. But I can't, if I'm trying to think of an example of all five, it's pretty easy to think about some experience from college especially like i said studying studying for tested yeah really put the effort in. you gotta study for at least a couple hours and, and really try to soak in the information and it's so hard sometimes and mm-hmm. all these five things can be working in unison sometimes all at the same time right to stop you from achieving that goal that is true but it's 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 crazy to see this and then now like it like it's things that we know like things that obviously hit us right but then yeah. now like i'm looking at it like on, like on a page right because you wrote it you wrote it out for me and now, like reading it seeing it and like thinking now okay in my life right now how is this how is this applying to me where in my life do i feel like these are affecting me um and i think this is good too for the future like uh any goal that I'm going to set, any goal that I will want to achieve, thinking about roadblocks that are going to get in my way, like specifically these five, um, and learning how to like move past it and get ahead of it and just recognize and feel like I know that this is happening to me and here are the ways that I can fix it and feel better about the goals that I want to have. Right. I think that I'll start to look at these things too now that I'm aware of them. And uh, like I was saying too, a lot of this stuff I feel is common sense. Like we've all been there, but the hardest thing is identifying with these things or even you know, admitting to yourself, this specific thing is the why I can't do this. So it's mm-hmm. nice to have this list or to hear someone talk about them because you can so easily identify with, with what they're saying and then try your best to uh, implement these steps, the four steps at the very end to try and get past these things. Um, I think this is going to be a good just like reminder for us to like going into the future because you know we just hit our our one month of doing this podcast mm-hmm. um, and to try to keep it up and try to keep a, a schedule going where we're doing this every week and like nonstop where we just keep growing on this idea and then keep making it better as we continue to do it um, and if for whatever reason like one Thursday like we're feeling bad or something like even though we have maybe work to do or we're tired or what's whatever's going on like we you know we still just bite the bullet and do it right and then the end goal the end product is usually like wow i'm really glad i did that and i feel great that you know i achieved it like i just i went through with it yeah i 100 percent agree and i say let's go for it man <laughs> and that's this it's even today it's very relevant because i don't know if, it, if people listening know Alec and I are both pretty tired today but 
we said, you know what, we're still going to do this. We, we don't care that we're tired. We're, we're going to do our podcast because this is important to us. And it's important that y'all hear this too. So this is very relevant. And I, I'm with you. I, I will listen to these things. And hopefully if we both do, we can keep this going for that whole year that we're looking forward to. Yeah. Because, you know, we get to year one and then we can get to year two. <laughs> exactly. Then we can just keep climbing. You know, may, yeah. maybe eventually we'll reach the peak. We got to keep climbing, though. Yeah. All good things come to an end. <laughs> or, or not. <laughs> Until we get too bored of it. Until we, <laughs> <laughs> Until we make a whole YouTube channel and a whole social media presence. and. <laughs> Man, would that be something? <laughs> Zach and oh, that, would, <laughs> that would be fun. Co-creators will be like the next Rhett and Link or something. <laughs> the next smosh <laughs> we can do skits i'm just kidding let's not do that no i think i'd stay away from that too <laughs> <laughs> wow dude well i think it's a good place to end up on uh do you have anything else to add nope yep i think that's also a pretty good place well uh thanks for the wise words zach i think that was really really awesome to bring up so i hope everyone out there listening got something out of that i definitely did um, well, I'll talk to you next week, Zach. All right. Sounds good. See ya.